In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one woman and one man will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually, Emily Jones and Eric Johnson star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the others have never even seen. I'm Emily Jones. And I'm Eric Johnson. If this is your first time listening, you can find more Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob at gvmpodcast.com. And you can also find all of our past episodes on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music. As you probably know, this season we are shaking things up with 10 guest geeks, friends of ours who are joining in to school us on the stuff that both Emily and I have missed. And this week we're continuing our discussion of Star Trek. Two episodes ago we sampled the original series from the 60s, and today we're going to try Star Trek The Next Generation, which ran from 1987 to 1994. Patrick Stewart stars as Jean-Luc Picard, and he's joined by a crew of humans, aliens, and androids, played by people like Brent Spiner, LeVar Burton, and Gates McFadden. But just like the original series, neither Emily nor I has seen this show, which is a huge problem. We need to fix that immediately. So we're delighted to welcome back to the show Sarah Whiteman, who you may know uh, if you listen to our episode about 30 Rock. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Welcome back. Hello. And it's uh it's it's fitting that uh you were on the 30 Rock episode cuz you know I think it's uh notorious that 30 Rock and Star Trek and the Next Generation, you know, have a lot of really they're, they're basically the same show. I mean, I don't <laughs> want to throw around the term plagiarism too lightly, but you know, it's <laughs> I mean, 30 Rock is set in space, so Right, obviously. I mean, <laughs> technically 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 everything is set in space, but um let's move <laughs> anyway. on from that. <laughs> uh, so Sarah has chosen three episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation for us to watch, and uh, she's asked us to watch them in a very specific order for reasons to be determined. Um, so these episodes are Season 4, Episode 11, which is called Data's Day, Season 6, Episode 20, which is called The Chase, and Season 5, Episode 23, which is called Iborg, and we'll put all of this in the show notes, so you don't need to memorize all of that. And this show is, like original Star Trek, it is conveniently available on Netflix, uh, so you can stream it there. Uh, it's also on the CBS uh, streaming service, it's on Hulu, it's on Amazon Prime, and if for some reason you don't have any of those things, as usual, you can also uh, rent individual episodes uh, from Amazon Video, from iTunes, Vudu, uh, Google Play, and it looks like all of those start at $1.99 uh, to rent the episodes. So lots and lots and lots of places where you can watch this series. So uh, in a minute, we're going to kind of take a break and go watch those episodes, and we'll be back with a spoilerific discussion. But just real quick before we do, uh, Sarah, in kind of a non-spoilery way, just tell us a little bit about why you chose uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Why, why have you brought this to our, uh, to our attention? Well, I am a big fan of Star Trek. It's much like my studies, my school. I was an anthropology, archaeology major, study of different cultures, different peoples. It's always been interesting to me, whether it's far or near. 
go to Dragon Con. Or really, really, really far. Yeah, really, really, really far in space. Or if it's going to Atlanta and watching groups of people who do stuff, you know, their everyday lives where they're lawyers and doctors and work at a nonprofit like me. Or they, um, you know, then they dress up and they become someone totally different for four days out of the year. And I think it's really great. And it addresses larger, you know, philosophical stuff, which... I never really think too hard on, but there are some episodes where it just hits home and you're just like, I, that's like me. For people who don't know, what you should explain what Dragon Con is. Dragon Con is like Atlanta's Comic Con. Mm-hmm. It's like, looks like the biggest one on the mm-hmm. East Coast, right? Isn't that the biggest Comic Con Largest pop yeah. culture and sci-fi conference on the East Coast, yeah. All right, so let's go watch these three episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, we'll put all of them in the, the show notes, but again, they're Data's Day, The Chase, and iBorg, and we'll be back uh, in a minute with spoilers. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. We've just watched three episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, Data's Day, The Chase, and iBorg. And uh, obviously, there's a great deal to talk about in all of this. Uh, but before we get to what Eric and I thought of it, Sarah, um, why, if you can if you can manage to, to contain it to one, one answer to this question, if possible, uh, <laughs> why do you love The Next Generation so much? And as you know, Emily is holding you to a much higher standard than we hold ourselves <laughs> by requesting that you keep it to one answer. I think part of the reason that I loved it is I watched it as a child. So I remember, like, with my mom after school, watching it on Saturdays or whenever. And then growing up, getting to watch it now again, I got to see the more philosophical side of it and see how, you know, you get to relate a little more and how it relates to the bigger picture of the world as an adult. It's also, it's funny to me that you mentioned watching it as a child because like, so obviously these dates, we're all, we're all like late 20 somethings, right? So these dates line up with our very young childhood. Um, And it's, it's like I said, it's funny to me that you mentioned watching it as a kid because like, I remember being very, very aware of this show as a kid, despite 
never actually watching it. Like, like really? I, yeah, I was super aware of the show though. Like I remember Patrick Stewart being on this show. My mom actually had this dress that was like, um, I don't know. It was probably just like a very like late eighties style dress that had like, I don't, I don't know what it looked like in retrospect. I think it, it was probably like color blocking with like some purple and black or something like, I don't fully know, but I referred to it as her Star Trek dress because like I was aware of what the Star Trek uniforms looked like. And like, <laughs> I felt that this looked like a star. So I was like, I was super aware of this. I feel which all of which is to say, like, I feel like it, it, it is a little bit more like, I don't know. I feel like Star Trek and Star Trek geekery gets kind of, um, labeled as being like this sort of like fringy geeky like nonsense and like or not nonsense but but it's like it it has a reputation yeah. for being like for being like, like Dungeons and Dragons yeah like a sort of thing that you're not really you uh, not everyone's super proud to yeah exactly. yeah for, yeah exactly for being for being like some like way way deep down the rabbit hole like nerdiness not run-of-the-mill like oh I read comic books as a kid kind of nerdiness um, and yet, yeah. I feel like this show was incredibly like present at the time that it was on the air. See, I grew up in a Star Wars household, so so like I was only vaguely aware of this. I think I think my my closest sort of brush with Star Trek as a kid was the movie Galaxy Quest, which to this day <laughs> is one of my favorite favorite movies, or at least favorite comedies. Like. Um, <laughs> Even having not seen any Star Trek stuff when I saw that movie for the first time, I, uh, you know, just love that movie. And uh, I, I guess spoilers for Galaxy Quest, if you care about this sort of thing. The, the, the end of that movie is the, the creation of Galaxy Quest, The Next Generation, or, oh. or, or so, something like that. It's, it's basically a, a, a direct reference that. to... Yeah, and, and with, with, the, with the old cast coming back. Obviously... This was a new cast in the same universe as the original Star Trek, but uh, in any case, no, I, I was not super aware of of this show. Um, really, still, still, am, still am not. Uh, <laughs> I've only seen these three episodes, really. Um, so, uh, Sarah, may- maybe we could start with. Uh, I asked this of Emily's friends who told us about the original series. Um, these three episodes: Data's Day, The Chase, and I Borg. Um, how like typical are these? Like, how 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 representative would you say these are of the series as a whole? Maybe you could talk generally about like why you chose these three in particular. Um. Okay. So, day to stay is they do that pretty often. They'll not necessarily one character walking around talking about himself, but they'll do a character centric episode that just takes place on the ship, and that's part of why I picked that one is. When you start watching season one, episode one, they don't introduce any of the characters. They, you just jump in. Like, you're just joining right in where they were going. So that's why I couldn't pick episode one. And it's a two-parter anyway. But Data's Day, that way, he walks around and he tells you a little bit about the characters. So you kind of get an introduction as to who they are. Yeah, that was super helpful. And as someone, if you've never seen it before... If I drop you in the middle of, like, this is a really great episode, you're like, so that's... He's giving orders, so he's the captain? Or, you know, (laughs) picking up on who's who. So that's why I chose that one. Plus, it's kind of my favorite episode, or one of them. Um, Data's probably my favorite character. And with that one, another running theme is Data's search to become human. Because Data's an android, and his big search is to understand humanity, and he he strives for it. So that kind of gave you a running theme and an introduction, and 
kind of just a not a silly episode, but they kind of do the the one-off more lighthearted episodes. So that was an example. I of mean, that. there there is a tap dancing sequence in this. I mean, I mean you know, it doesn't make the whole episode silly, but there there's a lot of tap dancing. Lighthearted. Yeah, <laughs> I was really appreciative of the tap dancing sequence. Although I was also glad that they that they like addressed the fact that she didn't realize it was dancing for the wedding because when they first started doing that, I was like. Nobody, like, <laughs> unless you're like Fred Astaire, you're not tap dancing at a wedding. Why is she teaching him to tap dance? This is so useless. Well, and it's one of the. But then, they, then they explained it, and then like, oh, okay, now I now I get it. This is entertaining. Well, and Data saw it's one of Data's things. He saw dancing. He saw that she danced. Tap dancing right. is a form of dancing. Therefore, mm-hmm. he learned to dance. It doesn't matter that he was doing it at a wedding. It just was dancing. <laughs> right, he doesn't understand yeah. the difference. Well, and I also appreciated the um, the way that uh, it sort of highlighted how how humans and an android would would function and process information differently, because yeah. he's so good at the tap dancing, and then she's like, "Now, compared to what we've just done, this will be simple. Just look up and follow me." which is true for a human because it's so mm-hmm. much easier to like basically just walk around to a beat, which is basically what you're doing when you do the type of dancing they were doing versus tap dancing is like really confusing and complicated. But obviously for him, he processes information differently and there's, it's actually, there's so much less to process with a tap dance versus trying to interact with another person and improvise. That's like so much more difficult. I appreciated yeah. that in the dance sequence as well. Um, well, I will, I will say just on the point of like, as an intro to the characters, I did appreciate for sure. Um, it was actually very, uh, we have in, I guess a future episode. Yeah. in a future episode of this season, we, we, we have a a different show where, where a character does this. It was kind of funny that you, 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 uh, you also chose, chose, uh, a show where, where it's kind of one character giving us a tour of the, of the team. Um, but I will say like, uh, even throughout all three episodes, I still don't really, understand what Riker is or like what he's doing on, on the ship I feel like we got a really good sense <laughs> is in this he like first mate he's number one yeah he's the first officer so okay he's like the first mate yeah he's the of. second in command second in command yeah okay because in, in this yeah. one I think Data just says like well, Commander Riker's easygoing manner and sense of humor is fascinating to me I believe it to be one reason he is so popular among the crew it may also be partly responsible for his success in matters of love there may be a correlation between humor and sex. The need for more research is clearly indicated. I mean, oh that's God, basically that was... him. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I did get a did good it, intro. We, I just didn't think it was. <laughs> did we all write that line down in our notes? Because I did. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much Riker. But yeah, he's number two in command. Okay, so 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 Data's the android. Uh, Riker's mm-hmm. number two, and then it wasn't until the I Borg episode that I was actually kind of got like, oh, okay, that's what Lavar Burton's doing there. He's he's you know, uh, I, you know, I, for me, Lavar Burton is reading yeah. Rainbow. I know, like, that's just All of it. I, even even after watching this, I'm like, hey, it's the reading Rainbow guy. <laughs> but don't take my word for it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, no. But question about him while we're talking about him, since he's like yeah. the engineer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's up with his, like? What is his What's the thing on his face? Uh, it's to help him see. It's so he can see. <laughs> What's wrong with There's your face? There's a whole episode Sorry. about that. So, so, but it, it's like glasses. Mm-hmm. Like what? If I remember right, he had something happen when he was a kid, and he actually can't see. And so, what it does is it it makes huh. his vision work. 
it does something in his brain, and so it actually registers okay. so you can see. Interesting. Oh, wow. so, so, so it's, it's like it's like a prosthetic mm-hmm. eye almost. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Huh. Thank you for explaining that. Yeah, no I'd always assumed that it was some sort of, you know, augmented reality thing <laughs> that he was able to, like, you know, see computer stuff on, on the walls. But that actually is, in a way, more interesting, kind of, as a, just like a, as like a, you know, technology being used to, to cure mm-hmm. blindness. Yeah, so it's, it's you know. kind of like a, like a cochlear implant type yeah. thing, but for his eyes. Yeah. Interesting. And he can't yeah. see, there's something about the way he sees, it's not like you know, you and I, but it's it's as close as they can get him to seeing. Huh. And so I had a, another question about Data's day. Um, so the wedding that Data is uh, <laughs> giving away the bride at, um, I get uh, several questions, I guess. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> um, so the so first question is the characters who are getting married, I think it was like, what, Keiko and O'Brien, O'Brien. were, were yep. their names? Yeah. Did they come back? Yes. Like, they, they weren't in the other two episodes that we watched, so I wasn't sure, like, are these, is this wedding, like, the culmination of a, of a you know, a plot, or is this just kind of an, as David calls it, like, sort of an ordinary day, where it's like, it's oh, someone's just getting married. It's pretty much a day married. on the ship. Yeah, it's just something okay. that happens, <laughs> but they do come back. They were actually in the, one of the other episodes I was going to, or one of my, like, final choose-froms, it was called Disaster Day, and, um... She shows back up, and she or disaster, not disaster day, and she ends up um, gonna have a baby. Ah, so she so, comes back, check in with and them. he's but, the transporter guy, so he shows up a lot too. But okay, how is it exactly that uh, they kept referring to her as as Data's daughter? Like, what is that about? Please explain. It, yeah, basically, <laughs> I think it was because he introduced them. I I was when I watched it through again, I was like, oh no, they call him Father of the Bride. That's going to be really confusing. <laughs> but I think it's just because he introduced them, and she didn't have a father on the ship, so he was there to give her away. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. like a like a you're like Surrogate. my father kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Okay, 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 okay. Cool. Yeah, that, I, that I read that. I was like, oh no, that's going to be so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that confusing, but it was just kind of like, I'm, yeah. I, okay, it was a little confusing. So uh, maybe, I don't know, should we just talk about, should we talk about this episode? Should we talk about all of them and come back to this? Um, um, what, what, what's Either way. I just, I have, because I've got different reasons for choosing them all. So however you guys yeah, want to. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think I have many more comments on this episode other than, yeah, it was a really, it was a really useful introduction having him narrate and explain who the characters were. And also, um, I, it, I also found it to be a, uh, a fun, like just narrative device for an episode of a TV show in general. Um, you know, I mean like a little bit similar to that, uh, there's an episode of the West Wing, uh, the uh, I, and I know you haven't seen the West Wing, so I'm sorry. It's fine. It's uh, fine. But there's a there's an episode of the West Wing, um, and also an episode of Sports Night, which we uh, have not yet released I, the episode, but have already. That's watched what I was referring and, to earlier. The future episode where this was yeah, sort of like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, you meant a future episode of the podcast. That's right. And anyway, both of those shows are created by Aaron Sorkin. And they both contain an episode, um, one of which we watched for an upcoming episode of our podcast. That's that's very similar, like a char- where a character is writing a letter to someone or an email to someone, and um, and sort of narrates the day in this in a very similar fashion. 
Uh, and it is. It's like it, you wouldn't want an entire show to be organized this way, but it's like it's a really fun narrative device for an episode to see it specifically through one character's perspective and like to have it narrated and especially for a new viewer i I I think that that is a good just way to just like you know if you're gonna dive in the middle of the series um like i'm I'm sure like the the, like there are shows like especially sci-fi shows where they do throw you in the deep end and you kind of figure it out eventually or fantasy shows as well i mean like i remember the first time i watched game of thrones oh my god yeah all the family names completely (laughs) over my head Totally, uh, but then then you go back and watch the first episode, and it's like, oh my god, he's talking about the Targaryens, and da da da, da you know, like it it suddenly takes on meaning. Um, but anyway, like uh, you know, I, I'm I'm sure people figured it out at the time, and I I would have eventually figured it out too. But I do appreciate for this this crash course in the next generation of getting <laughs> yeah. a, a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of handholding here. <laughs> I also I also really appreciate um, Data's affinity for Sherlock Holmes, um, because especially in our current pop cultural milieu where we have Sherlock as like such a prominent show that's on um you know that's something that I've thought of both with Data and with uh Spock in our foray into original Star Trek you know that character who's very kind of kind of cold logic doesn't doesn't process things and emotions the way that a human does character which is so much like Sherlock especially Mm -hmm. the way that he's presented on the show Sherlock um you know, so like, so I, I did appreciate that they literally, so I was thinking of that during the episode. I was thinking like, this is so funny. This is kind of like, you know, when Sherlock doesn't understand someone's motivation because of sentiment and John has to explain it to him. And then he gets tasked with investigating something and he starts referencing Sherlock Holmes. And I'm just like, ah, he agrees <laughs> with me. I have even better news for you, though. There are multiple episodes over the thing where, um, Jordy becomes Watson and Data becomes Sherlock Holmes thanks oh my God, to yes. the holodeck. Yep. <laughs> That's amazing. And Moriarty makes an appearance as well. <laughs> that was one of the things where I actually did know enough about the next generation to not have any questions was the holodeck because I used to write about virtual and augmented reality and that sort of stuff. Oh, I forgot and that was in that for a while. It was, yeah, for for a hot second, and <laughs> uh, and and people in that in that kind of mini industry are often talking about the holodeck as the dream, as like the vision of like, here's what it could be if you just continue giving us billions of dollars. You know, we could create the holodeck. I didn't even really pick up on that. Is the holodeck the thing that she converted into the dance yes. studio, and then he was able to produce that dance partner who came yes. like slinking over to him? <laughs> but um, Which... they can change that to anything they want like a training room or you know an outdoorsy area to go hiking that's I think there's one time where they do like a a shakespearean thing and they do it there i wonder if patrick stewart i was gonna say let me know if patrick stewart was involved in that because oh man (laughs) (laughs) um and i i will say i I had to look it up i was just curious because she looked vaguely familiar the the holodeck dance partner that data conjures up for himself is Carol from Friends? Is Ross's what? wife, or or, or 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 is Carol the one he married, or is Carol the the the, the partner of his? I think I Carol. Remember. I think Carol is is her wife. I think that Susan. Is Susan. Oh wife. no, that's a. We are wasting too much breath on this <laughs> tiny bit of. No, minutia. I think I think that Carol. I think that Carol is Ross's wife. I think. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry, we're on a tangent talking about Friends, which Sarah hasn't seen. <laughs> Also, um, <laughs> oh my God, Sarah! <laughs> no West Wing, no Friends. I know <laughs> I, she's. I, a, know, I know she's a nightmare. But, but but that's how that's how she feels talking to me when I don't understand her Star Trek references. So well, there we go. 
Anyway, um, the actual, like, plot plot of the Data's Day, that's the only other thing I have written down. Like, the whole thing with this Romulan who's disguised as a Vulcan, I, I was kind of, like, whatever about about that whole intrigue. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it would have been more meaningful if we had had some background in like the character yeah or also just for like how those races look in this show or i i I don't know i I mean obviously i knew what both of those races are from the newer star trek movies but i was just kind of like tuning out uh a a lot a lot of that stuff i was mainly like on board with just like the the fun parts of this episode i think that's why they (laughs) chose what they did because it was such just a brief little dramatic bit I think that's mm-hmm. why they chose it. It's just like, oh, look. But yeah, it was just a brief little bit where it's like, oh, this person's trying to be somebody else, and they thought they died. Up, oh, they didn't die. Okay, bye. Yeah. Yeah, just like a quick little capsule investigation thing to give Data something to do. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> to make him be Sherlock Holmes. Hooray! <laughs> Oh, All right. And sorry, w- one more thing I wrote down about this episode is that uh, the the bride is all dressed up at the wedding <laughs> in like traditional Japanese wedding attire. Although and in like, just, like although wearing in, his although <laughs> traditional, but but like Space. made out of made out of that like iridescent <laughs> material that like Barbie mermaid tails are made out of though. <laughs> But then, as, but then, but then, O'Brien's just wearing his like uniform. It's, mm-hmm. As I wrote, down, I thanks love, for dressing up, O'Brien. <laughs> I love their their what appear to be their dress uniforms, yes. though, because yes. they're so they are that they are just so <laughs> extremely late eighties, like that. The specifically the long line of the jackets. It's like, oh yeah, that's absolutely mm-hmm. what like blazers and suit jackets from nineteen eighty nine look like, and it's not necessarily a good look, but it's what they look like. <laughs> but yeah, um, one other good thing you guys got from watching this episode is there is constantly trivia question asked about the name of Data's cat. Do you remember? Oh I don't yeah, remember the name of the cat. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I remember the name already. of the cat either, but I it's did. Spot. I do remember what Spot. Oh, Spot. I spot. do remember. <laughs> I I did. I did write down when the cat showed up. Oh, <laughs> Data likes cats. No wonder Sarah likes Data. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's between him and Worf. I mean, go on two ends of the spectrum. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that, that's another character. I'm, I think both Data and Worf, I'm, like, vaguely familiar with both of them just from, like, being a human being alive at this time. But let's, they're kind of characters in the pop culture. But we actually didn't get a whole lot of Worf in any of these episodes. Yeah, I, I kind of I, maybe I was... it's just happenstance. He, he, I thought he was a bigger character. I thought he was going to be like in every every episode, just fit from how much I've heard about him. I guess. Well, and and because partially because of that, like I was very, uh, I was intrigued by Worf, and I was like, "What's his deal? Why is he on the ship? Why does he side with them? I don't get it." <laughs> well, they did mention in this episode that he's, I think, like yeah, the, he's, he's an, an orphan. outsider. Yeah, yeah, he, he was orphan, kind of yep. adopted by the ship. So we we got a little bit, but anyway, uh, let, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, the chase, which was the second episode you had us watch. This is the one where uh, Picard's professor uh, comes back with a uh, archaeological relic. And then promptly dies. <laughs> yeah, I loved I loved Picard's like professorial past though. It was so like it felt really fitting for Patrick Stewart, but also very like like I don't know. I like that there's more to this guy than that he the fact just the fact that he's like oh he's a starship captain. It's like he's got he's got layers. That yeah. was the point. Yeah, layers and intellect. Good choices. <laughs> yes. 
But yeah, um, I like that one because it's more what the non-lighthearted, but also the non-series, you know, episodes are like. It's like, here's a mission, they went on it, they found something, the end. So that's kind of why I picked mm-hmm. that one. Um, just like you said, it gave a little more to Picard, so you got to see the guy in charge of things. And it kind of, whether you know it or not, it gave you a little idea about the Prime Directive, kind of the overarching theme of being a starship captain and a crew and what it's like. Yeah. I also really liked that there was like this little kind of that what they ended up discovering was this little thing that explained the like the one big thing that you would like be left with, like left wondering watching any given episode of any of these series, which is okay, but we're scattered all across the universe. Why is everyone vaguely humanoid? And it's like, oh, it was well, it was planned that way from the beginning. Like, I I appreciated that. <laughs> well, and then I, I, oh, and that brings okay. your philosophical bit together because even today, you know, we're in inherently we're all the same. So why why are we so different? Or you know, why do we treat people different for mm-hmm. whatever reason? But when deep down we're the same. So there's your your little philosophical bit. Yeah. For, well, I'm I'm glad you brought up the philosophical bit again, as well as, I mean, you mentioned it at the top as well, talking about, you know, your renewed appreciation for the show as an adult. But, like, that was something we talked about a lot with um, with original Star Trek as well, and both with that and with this, although I was less surprised by it here because mm-hmm. I, I was a little more prepared for it, having seen several episodes of the original series. Like, that was definitely the thing I was, I was like, most surprised, most pleasantly surprised by in both of them, though, is, like, how much it is about like you know it's it's so not about some little like, some swashbuckling mission it's totally about like about science and about science and exploration and and and, and yeah ethics and sitting down and having like a discussion where you weigh like whether you should follow your orders or whether you should pursue this discovery that could be the most important or to jump ahead to the episode we haven't started talking about yet obviously that one gets real the iborg gets like <laughs> super deeply philosophical you know about uh all these questions of life and death and right and wrong and whether you should save someone and whether you should weaponize someone against their own people and all of this kind of stuff that it's like well it's like, let's put a I pen in iborg this. for a second <laughs> yeah, yeah sorry i do, do want to talk about the chase no i'm no i want to talk no i don't want to talk about iborg yet either i i i, I also want to talk about the chase i'm just i'm just sort of latching on to the fact that Sarah mentioned the the philosophical element to say like I really like that and I like that the show which is part of what I like about oh, yeah. the fact that Picard has this like this like archaeology student past where he's like interested in in you know learning about some civilization from years and you know millions of years ago or whatever I and I I agree I I get the sense that uh and this is really this is not on Sarah at all it's an impossible question to ask of her I feel like I would have appreciated this episode more if I personally had seen Picard more Picard in kind of his normal capacity of him just captaining around um where like this was a very serious episode it was talking about you know the past the you know dream not of today and then this important father figure dies and then there's all this <laughs> intrigue with aliens that are called Cardassians which is hilarious <laughs> but it's still a very serious episode um and so I I I don't know this one I I I kind of had a set a bit of a disconnect with it whereas like I see what this is doing but I I feel like I maybe just didn't have enough context to really um to really get into it 
in the same way to really appreciate like oh boy this is a big decision for Picard or this is kind of the payoff of of his character or these characters in in a certain way Um, it helps that one of the episodes that we watched of the original series also uh, involved a very similar um, not similar in in like reasoning but similar in in action and results thing where the ship was supposed to go to some conference or some whatever something it was actually inte- yeah. it's supposed to go to but then something happened on the ship that 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 you know Kirk decided to like override and like go take a detour and do this because this was the right thing to do right at this moment it was like it yeah it was there were sort of like some similar beats there as well and yeah so I will I will say like like at the end of it all though like I I agree like the context was somewhat lacking for us just to be able to like process it as a shift from the character or whatever. And, and what I was saying before also was like, uh, I also don't know how much of a shift for the show it is for like Picard to do that. Having just, having (laughs) just recently watched an episode where Kirk did the same thing. It's like, they, they seem like very different types of Mavericks, but they also like, they both have like a Maverick streak maybe going on. He definitely like, (laughs) there's one episode where, he goes on a mission specifically to get out of doing something else. He's like, oh, well, we've got to be there in like four hours. I guess we, we should go investigate this thing over here. So like he totally <laughs> would have done that. It wasn't necessarily a big deal for him to to blow it off. It was just. It was more the character beat. Yeah. Of like it's what he would. have. It's what Picard would have done. He would have. Yeah. He would have gone and investigated something because that's what he needed to do. Okay. And the more important thing wasn't, you know, it, or the other thing wasn't more important than going to find this. He needed to go find it now. Starfleet is relying on your mediation efforts. Counselor, to... this is not simply a case of me taking the Enterprise and its crew on some wild goose chase to purge myself of guilt and remorse. I will not let Galen's death be in vain. Now, if that means inconveniencing a few squabbling delegates for a few days, then so be it. I will take the full responsibility. So, (laughs) peace out, dudes. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of peace, I do have to say, like, as cheesy as it is, like, I do appreciate that the whole thing culminates, you know, they're talking about is it going to be a weapon, like, whatever, and then it it all basically culminates in, like, a a lovely plea for for peace, love, and understanding. The seed codes also contain this message, which is scattered in fragments on many different worlds. It was our hope that you would have to come together in fellowship and companionship to hear this message. And if you can see and hear me, our hope has been fulfilled. You are a monument, not to our greatness, but to our existence. That was our wish, that you too would know life and would keep alive our memory. There is something of us in each of you, and so something of you in each other. Remember us. That'll well, be well, mostly falls on deaf ears. It's it's um delivered by a like weird bald hologram alien and I don't know. I, I, I feel like the whole deaf ears thing, like, so 
it seems like getting all those different races together in this one episode, it seems like that was a big deal. Am I am I right in assuming that, Sarah? Like, um, like the fact that the Klingons and the Romulans and the Cardassians and the humans were, were, were all together in, in on this? Yeah, and yes, in the sense that they didn't immediately, they weren't immediately fighting. Like, I mean, they were fighting and they were kind of like standing there in standoff mode. But but they weren't, like, firing on each other. Yeah, but pretty much it's kind of like they show up and then stuff goes down and then dust settles. But, yeah, getting them together in that way, it was a little more a little more shocking, a little more of a surprise. And the fact that they were okay. working together was was out of the norm. Okay. Because it's also the uh, Uridians. Is that is that the, the, right, the right name? The... That that was like the other race that was mm-hmm. in on this, right? I think so. Um, so 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 like are, are all these races like these were all like regular parts of the series? Yeah. Then so, sort of this the the uh, finding out that these are all related was like the, this is the 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 in a way the culmination or the or the kind of the the resolution to a lot of strife among all these different alien races. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Because um. The, the Romulans have their little area of space. The Klingons are starting to be more okay with the the Federation because, you know, like, Worf's there, but he's kind of out of the norm. But they start working together in the series. Um, the Cardassians, I don't... They just kind of show up. I, I, I can't get I, I can't. I know, I can't, I can't hear it with a straight face. Like... And I, I looked it up. This episode was two years before the O.J. Simpson trial where Robert Kardashian became a, a famous name and obviously way before any of his ilk uh, <laughs> uh, also became famous. So maybe they just maybe it was a coincidence or maybe like because this was a TV show and they're in Hollywood. Maybe maybe like the the writer knew the Kardashians way back when. Uh, but <laughs> or maybe they had already figured out time travel since this is a sci-fi show. Like maybe That's they came true. from a future where the Kardashians rule the world. Um, Occam's racer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of um, all the different races though, I was also like struck by this thing that a phenomenon actually, honestly, probably both of you are very familiar with uh, probably more so Eric that happens to me where like something reminds me of something and I can't really figure out what the thing is. And it drives me a little bit insane. But I think the answer in this case might just be like most, most like sci-fi alien encounter movies um, or shows or whatever. Most recently, probably Arrival, but but lots of other things as well, where like um, the fact that the different uh, the different races were all kind of uh, they were expecting different things from this computer, this like ancient computer program thing based on mm-hmm each each of their like cultural reference points mm-hmm. like like you know the humans were sort of more expecting like some sort of discovery or whatever and then the um the klingons were like this is a weapon this is clearly a weapon because like that if if a klingon had done something like that it would have mm-hmm. been to create a weapon like that kind of thing which i don't know right. i there's not really any point in commenting on this other than like i love that that kind of idea though of like you think our cultural expectations of what anything must be or 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 the idea of of science being used in different ways or... yeah well like where you think that you're you think that you're you know looking at a set of information and analyzing it like like relatively kind of objectively scientifically 
and coming to the logical conclusion point, and it's like, well, no, actually, it's only the log. It, it might only be the logical com- conclusion, like from your own cultural framework. It's actually one of mm-hmm. several potential logical conclusions that could be different because it's like set up by someone that doesn't come from your background, kind of thing. Yeah. This is just an. I have observ- nothing to add to that. This but... is just a, this is just an observation. It's not really. Yeah. Um. So only the thing that I kind of wrote down with this episode, and then we'll get on to Iborg, I guess. Oh boy. Uh, is is that um, although in Data's day there was certain there was it was a balance of like intrigue with like humor. I felt like uh, maybe it's just this episode, but it felt like Data was very much just exposition man. Or, or I, I forget what the TV trip's name for it is, but it's basically just, like, the character who, who just, like, is called on to give exposition. Which, um, I'm, I'm wondering, is that, like, a pretty common thing where, like, he's the guy explaining what an alien race is or, or like, the history? Or is that just kind of... I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because this episode was very, very uh, heavy on the on the seriousness of the, of the implications of this, this discovery. I was kind of like, oh, Data is just kind of, like... A human computer <laughs> you, yeah. you know and that's it pretty much if they have any questions um they can ask him and he, i mean he can come up with the answer infinitely faster than anything else so okay. if if he does that that's the reason why they gave an easy gonna... like go to for it i was gonna say he struck me as being like obviously he's a character but he also kind of struck me as being a little bit like ship siri like he yeah yeah um, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> well especially like in the first in the first episode we watched where the um the person who turned who they thought was a Vulcan who turns out to be a Romulan um spy asks him about the something about the security protocols for the ship or something I have the same safeguards as the ship's computer therefore I must report any inquiry regarding restricted information to the captain and that was the thing that to me was like oh so he's like his his android-ness is in some way like integrated into like the ship mm-hmm. IT system or something you could call him Siri, or you could say he's Janet from The Good Place. Really, either or. He's, I think he's more like Janet from The Good Place, actually, cause he, because she seemed to she seemed to develop somewhat, you know, yeah. a, as she interacted with the people. You should watch The Good Place, too, Sarah, if you haven't. Okay. Oh, no, good it's... Place is so good. <laughs> so good. Um, anyway, do you want to talk about Iborg? Let's. Iborg. Um, the reason I chose that one... The... I told Emily last night, there was another episode that I could have chosen uh, that also introduced you to the Borg, which is one of the big baddies of Next Gen. But it's got a character, a trickster character, that I just find annoying. Um, (laughs) I'm in the minority. I am. I understand. His name is Q. Um, People love him. I've I've heard of this character. Yeah, yeah. But he actually introduces the Borg in one of the really earlier, one of the earlier seasons. Um, but that one just wasn't quite as, I don't know, not as touchy feely, bigger issues type deal as, um, Big this issues. one was. Oh my God. Is, is that the episode where Picard is captured and tortured and all of that? Or is that a different um, thing? No, that's a different okay. one. Yeah. Okay. Because they, re- they referred to some clearly, you know, yeah. dramatic prisoner Traumatic, of war. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah um, that's, that's about mid-range between the, the other one, where Q introduces okay. them to the Borg. Then he has an encounter with the Borg, and then this is after it. Before okay. we get into what actually happened in the episode, can I just, like, casually throw in, um, holy shit, Whoopi Goldberg, okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> she's I saw her in. name in the credits and it was like, oh, wow. Yeah, she's see, here. <laughs> I like, I guess I was distracted during the credits or something. Like I didn't even see her name. So then like she took off the fencing mask and I was like, oh, okay. Hi. Hello, Whoopi Goldberg. What's up? What are you doing here? So who is she? What's her, what's her deal? Besides yeah, well, obviously what's, what's being someone who had her, like most of her race destroyed by Borgs. Like what else is her deal? She yeah. is the bartender at Ten Forward, which is their on on deck bar restaurant hangout place. Wait, so she she's been on the ship like she's just permanently on the ship. Is, Pretty much, is that yeah. Her, like... That's but awesome. she only shows up. She doesn't show up every episode. She shows up, you know. She's whippy girl boy. She so, she'll show up wherever she damn well feels like it. And so what? What is she? Um, she just she's like a human, but just from some other planet, or not a human. She has a different race. She's of a different race. Her. I mean, you kind of picked up in the episode, her family had been, or her race had been destroyed by the Borg, and then they were kind of scattered across space. Okay. Um, okay. But other than that, I don't remember much. So she's from some mm. some other non-human race that has, obviously, different cultural fashions than the humans <laughs> and in looks, the Federation do. looks remarkably human. <laughs> and like she's a bartender. <laughs> um, so, uh... I will say, going into this episode, I was kind of like, I enjoyed the first two episodes we watched fine, but I was not, like, completely on board, and I fucking loved this episode. I was so into Iborg, and uh, Emily knows since I made her watch The Twilight Zone that I'm a big fan of the, of the Twilight Zone and all of the philosophical, you know, heady philosophy plus sci-fi, you know, mixture that, that that show brings. And this was firing all of the Twilight Zen synapses for me. Um, so I was really into this one a lot. This um, was also firing a lot of uh, Doctor Who synapses for me. They're yeah. very they're very Dalek-like, and it also specifically reminded me of an episode in a relatively recent season, I think it was a Peter Capaldi episode, where for some reason he ends up, like, in the central, like, mind command yeah. structure of the Daleks and, like, figures out that there's a way... He And it, it ends up backfiring, but he figures out that there's a way that he can, like, turn on different channels of their, of their for lack of a better word, psyche that, like, mm-hmm. that makes them not these, like, mindless extermination machines... Um, well, and, and as much as I love Doctor Who and the Daleks, like the Borg costume is like way cooler. Oh, it than, absolutely than, is. Than I was just like, making, I was just making the analogy <laughs> to the specific plot line and also the general like right. the the way they function seems to be similar. They're like basically mindless killing machines. They all have like a collective conscious mm-hmm. instead of instead of being individuals. Like that's and the, the like robotic voice. That's what I was referring to. I mean, the Daleks ultimately like. Love Doctor Who, but the Daleks are like fucking lame from a design perspective. <laughs> no, the Borg, the Borg outfit is really cool. Well, and yeah, re- worse than that, um, they don't want to kill you, so they don't just want to kill you. They oh, want right. to assimilate you, so they want right. to turn you into other Borg. So you'll Which still be in around, way. but you won't be you. Well, you'll be weak. They're intelligent zombies. They're they're yeah. intelligent, articulate zombies in a way. Yeah, right. And that's a particular, um, yeah, that's a like I feel like a particularly human fear the one that Jordy expresses where he says you know i would rather i would rather die than like lose my my you know individual identity Mm -hmm. and sense of self i also couldn't help but wonder if like i don't know i feel like and partially i think this comes from the fact that this isn't the only like pop cultural artifact that has this this concept of uh 
a group that that has a collective conscious and it's a collective evil consciousness mm-hmm. instead of being individuals and, and that being like a, a main antagonist i'm like part of me is like is this some kind of like weird anti-communist vestige that we have in our culture or <laughs> or is it more well, like that's, no, is no, that's that or is that is that why like is that is that part of why like like our Western capitalist societies like feared communism so much because we're so worried about like about collectives like what? Yeah, I mean the the, the that roundtable really discussion early on in the episode where where uh, the captain is proposing genocide and they're saying this is a single collective being and I think it's uh it's it's the the doctor right uh, who says oh how convenient you, you know who has a, sort of this like aside about that yeah which which is universal. I mean, I guess communism maybe is one of the more recent ones, but I, I feel like that this, the whole idea of reducing the other, well, whatever your enemy is, you know, someone mm. who is, That's you know, true. I, I, the, 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 in a way, as I think about it out loud here, not having much other awareness personally of, of the Borg or of the storylines they've been involved in or anything made this, I think that's why I'm thinking Twilight Zone specifically is like a, the lack of any history for me of any prior knowledge of this of this species of this race just makes them sort of a, a universal stand-in for 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 othering in war and well, and of and of people calling for genocide of of you know a group that's all gets reduced to to a description of like they're all the same you know that's and that's a really good point because I I mean I specifically thought of communism because of the that the specific idea of the collective unconscious being actually and in fact part of what they are. But you're totally right. If you remove that kind of like literal explanation of, of how they are from it, like you're totally right that it is a state. It ends up being a stand in for general othering of enemies, whether it's domestic political enemies or, you know, people from some other country that you're at war with or whatever. Sorry, we just I mean, we just dominated this, Sarah. <laughs> obviously, oh, obviously we're into this episode. Y'all are good. Yeah. Raises. <laughs> uh, sorry, just last thought, but then then Sarah, I promise I'll stop talking. Um, is just also that that line which I had heard before: "You will be assimilated. Resistance is futile." I mean, like that's like the thing that a lot of people today who who are who are on the uh racist end of things like they're they're always talking about assimilation right they're always talking about the idea of like well they don't share our values they don't share our way of life and so just the idea of having your way of life taken away from you and and i i I don't know i just i feel like there's so much here that's so universally interesting as a as a thought exercise as as sci-fi as politics here yeah um Clearly, well, clearly, this is. I'm thinking this out loud. Uh, yeah. I will stop talking now. Well, and again, I mean, also to get away specifically from the othering aspect, but I think that's a really interesting thread that we're picking at. But like, also, just the whole concept of like we're at war with them, so the idea of destroying them entirely as a thing that exists mm-hmm. anywhere in the universe somehow becomes defensible. In other words, genocide becomes defensible because we're at, we're currently enemies mm-hmm. at war is such a slippery slope, which obviously is what all of the various characters grapple with and get into with this. And it's like, it seems somewhat less clear cut or it seems somewhat more clear cut here because they literally, there is no such thing. They argue initially until they manage to sort of somewhat humanize the one that they have, uh, you know, 
because there is, at least at the outset, no such thing as an innocent Borg, they're, they're able to argue for it more. The Borg are extremely computer dependent. The system's failure will destroy them. I just think we should be clear about that. We're talking about annihilating an entire race. Which under most circumstances would be unconscionable. But as I see it, the Borg leave us with little choice. I agree. We're at war. There's been no formal declaration of war. Not from us, but certainly from them. They've attacked us at every encounter. They've declared war on our way of life. We're to be assimilated. But even in war, there are rules. You don't kill civilians indiscriminately. There are no civilians among the Borg. Think of them as a single collective being. There's no one Borg who is more an individual than your arm or your leg. How convenient. But even at the very beginning, I was like, I was like, okay, we're, I really hope that we're going to come to the conclusion here that this is, this is very obviously unequivocally wrong, right? Like, <laughs> we're not going <laughs> to... We're not going to let it stand that that these characters are arguing for genocide, right? Like... But there was doubt in your mind. You weren't sure if they were going to come to that conclusion, which yeah. is what made this not only a good thought exercise, but a dramatically great episode of television. Is because, like, even though you knew it was wrong, you were like, but he might do it anyway. They they might still go through with this. Like, you could believe that you, there could be a dark alternate ending to this episode. I said I was going to stop talking. I, I know, so did I. And, like, there, there, <laughs> the other thing was, too, I was also struck by, like, their, their arguments made total sense. The people that were arguing, even though it was, like, horrifying, but, like, also... They were logically consistent. They were logically they were... consistent arguments. Like, they made sense. The people who were arguing, and specifically Picard and Whoopi Goldberg, who were arguing for... Um, we're arguing for destruction. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. You're, you're at war with these people. Like I see, I see what you're doing, but at the same time, you know, uh, they also are both like clearly wildly not objective on this subject at all. Like Picard was apparently like held captive and tortured by these people and they destroyed Whoopi Goldberg's like entire world. Like, these are not, these are people who should be recused from this decision. Oh my God. <laughs> and um, Picard gets a one up because it wasn't that he was held and tortured. He was actually turned into a Borg. He became, yeah, he was, was Is that why he's able to pretend That's to why he's Locutus be... is because I was wondering was, about that. That was given and yeah. And I, like, I like that you guys came to that on your own, but I wanted to give you more background, but you're exactly right. Like there's no way that he could ever have been objective. Because, yeah. I mean, he was Borg. He saw what it was like. He knew what it was like. And he he wants to be human. Like, they had to go through a lot of stuff in order to get him. But that would huh. have been another episode. But it was a two-parter, so. Yeah. I kind of want to go back and watch it, though. Like, I'm really intrigued yeah. to see, like, what exactly. So, oh, wait. So, does, um, does like, some sort of copy or clone of him or person with his face or something exist in, in the world of the Borgs still, or has he been mm-hmm. fully rescued from them? No, he was appara- supposedly fully rescued. So that, like, Locutus thing... I am Locutus of Borg. ...doesn't was just exist anymore. Not as far as I'm aware. I haven't watched any of the movies. There's okay. some next-gen movies, and I'm not sure if it comes back. Um, But... Yeah, they they went through and they got him back to Picard brain away from Locutus brain. But they basically wanted him to be a Borg so that way he could turn others into, he could get the rest of his people into Borgs, bring them in, and then slowly reach out further and further. Yeah, they they briefly. So, like, they tried to do the thing with him that they. Oh! So, wait. So, they tried to do the. to to send him back to his ship 
and do the same thing basically that that he was trying to do with this pork like send back one one infected specimen to like take down the rest of them kind of kind of kind of just to go out there and assimilate everybody and bring them on back something like that it's a judas goat yeah what does that a judas goat <laughs> It's 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 a livestock thing. It's 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 a goat that 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 leads sheep to the slaughterhouse. Basically, the oh, sheep learn to trust oh, oh, the goat, oh, 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 oh. and and it like guides them in in, in place of a shep- uh, sheepdog or whatever or a shepherd. The the sheep trust this thing that looks like them, and it leads them right to be killed. <laughs> anyway, um, gosh, normally I like goats, but I guess we can't blame the goat for what the humans train it to do. Humans, yeah. man, we suck. <laughs> uh, but but I I do think. Um, the the whole stuff with with, with Whoopi Goldberg show, showing up and her whole thing was like oh well you know you felt sorry for me when I let my guard down and kind of portraying that as as a uh, a danger or a weakness in Picard's line of thinking I I don't know I just I love the way that this this episode as we were saying like they're having this debate and even though we as a viewer might have a clear opinion on what is the correct ethical outcome that they went through the efforts to show to to basically make arguments in favor of mm-hmm. the the other way like like they 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 really committed to the idea that this is a debate and this is not just you know good guys versus versus bad guys who want to do bad things yeah um, there's there are shades of shades of arguments and shades of yes, right and wrong shades and uh separate from that completely separate from that it's hilarious that there's a Borg named Hugh, um, but <laughs> uh, instead of a boy named Sue. But um, I don't, I don't know how. Did you just get that? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think of that. I, Whoopi Goldberg at one point says a Borg named Hugh, and I was oh, like, yeah, I oh god, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but god, I just I keep on thinking about this episode, and I I feel like. If you can point me, I don't care as much about the backstory. Here's what I was gonna say: I don't care as much about the backstory for Picard Borg specifically, but whatever episodes of the Next Generation that are the most like this one, I would would <laughs> love to go watch those. The, the, like I this this one completely like landed with me. It, oh yeah, square, square in the face. Well, um, I especially I also loved where where they ended up anyway, which was like. They were they were talking to him and studying him with the intention of trying to turn him into this destructive weapon that would like mm-hmm. kill all of them, and in so doing, they inadvertently made him more humid. They made gave him an individual sense of self, and then they realized that that individual sense of self might end up like in a very different individuality in as a, its in, own virus. Exactly, individuality as a virus that that might end up sort of achieving their ends without murdering everyone, like. I I just loved that. I loved everything about that that well, concept then, no, of like goes inadvertently one level deeper than that though. Individuality is a virus that affects the Borg, but also their awareness that Borgs could have individuality affects their thinking of the Borg. So that it's, too, it's there, there's levels to this. You oh know? my god, so many levels. No, I'm right there. I'm right there with Eric. I'm like, yes, this this episode was like ah, my brain my brain keeps keeps gnawing on it. It's great. Also, not really related to anything else. Um, that we're talking about. I have two additional aesthetic comments. The first <laughs> is that I love Counselor Troy's jumpsuit that she's wearing. That is a top-notch <laughs> jumpsuit. On board with it. Um, second. On board or on Borg? Oh, God. 
<laughs> both? <laughs> Second, I also like visually and just also in general, like love and feel like it's, I'm sure this isn't the original one, but considering our current, you know, movies out there in the world, it feels like such an obvious precursor, that image of the person who's been taken captive and is like hanging out in the glass, the glass (laughs) cell in the middle of the ship and everyone keeps visiting them. I mean, it's Loki in the Avengers and it's, um, Benedict the Cumberbatch and Star Spectre. Trek to Darkness and yeah exactly Sky, Skyfall no yeah Skyfall. yeah, yeah um, exactly Javier yeah. Bardem and Skyfall Silva and yeah. Skyfall and um, Silva that's his name yeah and it's yeah it's like it's become this thing and it's like I don't know why everyone thinks that they're high security prisons in the middle of their spy headquarters <laughs> and or spaceships should be these glass cages but they do and it's like a thing now. There used and... to be a ride at Disneyland that was like the, that, that exact thing. It was like, oh, we're going to teleport an alien into the room, and it's extremely dangerous, but don't worry. It's inside this glass cage in the middle of the room. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, it It just the, seems the like an breaks. odd choice of material. And I mean, I know in this it was like a force field or something. It wasn't glass, but that's we're not, we're yeah. not quite as technologically advanced as these people are, so... <laughs> So so yeah so any any other episodes that are similar to Iborg in 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 tone or or in ethical levels uh, yeah. sign me up immediately <laughs> in, de- in depth of in depth of thought experiment I will subscribe to that newsletter um so <laughs> um overall as I mentioned I think that that was easily my favorite out of the three yeah um but Sarah why don't we let you have the last word like kind of what what what's sort of your um your recommendation for us now, now that you know sort of how, how we reacted to the, these episodes, uh, how are you feeling about this experiment? Do you think that we got it? Do you think we're, we're completely unsophisticated swine? Where, where, where do we fall on the spectrum? Not unsophisticated swine. I, right, I think you got it. Whew, I, especially with the last one, you guys hit on everything that like, when you read about, when you read on the internet about this episode, like that's exactly what comes up. And that's what makes this great is there is, it may not always be to that level, but there's always that discussion about how, you know, right and wrong and where, where do they fall on that? Should they do the thing that's best for everyone? Should they do the thing that's best for them? Um, there's some where they meet new cultures and they're like, okay, well, according to prime directive, we can't get involved, but sometimes for the sake of the people, they, they need to get involved. I've heard um, that phrase before. It's, it's prime directive, just we can't get involved in other cultures. Right. It's, is that we, what that means? we observe, we look, we see, we leave. We don't interfere. Okay. Yeah, that kind of thing. I, th- I think they use that in one of the newer movies, but it kind of yeah. went over my head. But no. yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's just, um, you know, good anthropology. We observe the people. We don't let them know we're here. If they're not that advanced as technology, we don't give them the advance. We let them get to it on their own. That kind of deal. Um. But yeah, but it's it's the type of episode where they have, or the type of series where they have the fun few little episodes. It's lighthearted, but then they've got the more serious, more things that just make you stop and be like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so. Yeah, like like that third episode that we watched. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But this was a nice, all three of these, I think, were, it seems like this was a nice sampler pack of the yeah. different flavors uh for, for this show i was very nervous um, about choosing the episodes i was very <laughs> nervous trust, trust us we sympathize <laughs> very much 
I, I I did this right on like I think the very first episode where I was the geek where I did introduced Emily to Doctor Who where I agonized over the choice. Yeah, you did. And then uh, in a later season, I like kind of lazily chose just the first couple episodes of Avatar: The Last Airbender, and I think I like alienated her from the series because those are not <laughs> not a great intro to yeah, the series. I've, I've never gone back and watched it. And no, I totally screwed up on um, Gilmore Girls as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, in any case, uh, th- thank thank you for for joining us, Sarah. It was great having you back on the show here. This was uh, this was fun. Of course, was, I love yeah. it. And uh, should we? I guess we do know what yeah. we're doing next week. In right? fact, in fact, next week is going to be the episode we mentioned a couple times during the course of this one. Uh, yeah. Which I guess we've pulled back the curtain a little bit to reveal that we've actually already, you know, already recorded it uh, as we talk about this. But um, we are going to be watching the 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 prototype Aaron Sorkin series, the original. Uh, which is Sports the Night. The OG. Yes, the OG sports Sorkin Night. series, uh, Sports Night. And we'll have a very special guest in terms yes. of that. Uh, my uh, former co-worker and uh, longtime tech journalist, Walt Mossberg, who is a big Sports Night fan, uh, joined us since we already recorded it, joined yeah. us for that episode. <laughs> We're recording this whole season just out of order. Very out it's, of order. Anyway. It's time travel. Time travel. Uh, and I'm sorry, <laughs> but you can't, you can't join us on our time journeys, listeners. However, you can next week listen to this thing that we recorded in the past. And until then. <laughs> until <laughs> then. Um, <laughs> until then, Sarah, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at csarahexplore. And Emily? How about you? Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at EJ Reports. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram and probably a bunch of crappy social networks that lasted for only one week at Hey Hey ESJ. This is Giant Geek versus Mega Noob keeping up with the Cardassians. Uh. Boom. This has been Giant Geek versus Mega Noob. For more, visit GVNPodcast.com.